0: Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast. I have been on a little bit of hiatus. I'm releasing this podcast, which was actually recorded in October of 2020, just now, because I, quite frankly, needed a little bit of time to think about all of the information that I was receiving from reading articles um, to talking to people on the podcast just about the I don't know the adventure that I had been on this sort of three-ho Kundalini yoga um, thrill ride slash detour in my life, um, and and what it had meant to me, and who I was, who am I now? You know, it, I, I had a lot of questions, and I felt that just continuing to put out content and more and more content and more and more content was not serving me. So I took a few months off and I'm going to release the podcast that I recorded, um, before I just decided I could no longer, um, because I can again. So this one is with Guru Sean. Um, she now has her own podcast, which she started, which is excellent, um, definitely if you're interested in you know the stories of 3ho and yogi budget and all that stuff it's called uncomfortable conversations the untold stories of the 3ho kundalini yoga community so go check that out um Shan gives all her info at the end of the podcast i will also provide links in the description and here we go can't wait to share it and re-listen Go. Okay. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. Well, I I'm excited that I get to speak with you and see the ocean behind you. I think that's what I'm looking at <laughs> in Jamaica. Yay! Ooh, I can, Yay! I can, ocean. Vicariously through through you. Cool. So, what do you want to talk about, Goodness? <laughs>
1: yeah you know good question i I thought that uh maybe we just start having some conversation around conversations yeah (laughs) where do we start
0: (laughs) what are you you said you were writing do you want to talk about what you're working on
1: yeah i mean i'm working on my book um you know one of the things i've realized is that the um the revelations and the breaking wide open of what's happened in the kundalini yoga community and 3 ho and Siddharma, dharma the culture i grew up in you know these These stories that are coming out now in the public domain are unconscious memories that my body has been holding for decades, and I didn't know what it was, Um, and so when I started doing a lot of personal work over the last number of years, I started kind of excavating and uncovering just a tremendous amount of darkness that I had no idea, you know, really even what to do with and so um the rev i knew a book was coming from it because it's been such deep dark heavy traumatic healing level reclamation um but it's only been in the last number of months that i actually really could context it like oh that's what that material or debris was living inside of me so um yeah, I'm, I'm writing my book and uh, it's, it's about my personal journey. But, you know, one of the things, um, basically my personal journey around healing sexual trauma and um, reclaiming my own sexual uh, sovereignty and my own sex pleasure and my own feeling body for myself, taking my agency back. And that experience for myself um, has been one that went in a direction that I didn't know where it was going to go. And so the coming out of it has felt very freeing in my body. And it was only when we were on the listening tours and the stories of my brothers and sisters that I was raised with that went to school in India and hearing about the women, uh, you know, reading the, of course, the report, but even just hearing the long-term stories that have, that have existed, what I realized was that, wow, we have a systemic, culture of silence and shame was one of the main tools used to silence us and this is a collective thing and so the last eight years for me was a personal journey I thought I was on that I was healing my own karma and you know whatever trauma I was holding I mean I I didn't really even have an idea what it was I, I just noticed it there and I wanted to feel myself and I couldn't and I was like what the hell I kept digging, digging, digging until I could feel my own pulse. So seeing this level of abuse is, um, has really like cracked me wide open, and it's just made me realize that the predators that have, were living in my body were literal memories of abuse that happened to other people in my community, around me. And just like when we play mantras in the environment and we're collect, you know we're absorbing a consciousness this abuse and consciousness was also permeating our environment. And I absorbed that like a sponge. And I know now that what I excavated out of my body were actual real life stories of people that have been financially abused, sexually abused, physically abused, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually abused in my own community and in, in, you know, yeah, that's what my book's about.
0: <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a lot to work with. <laughs> so it sounds like you have enough to write quite a bit.
1: Well, you know, the thing is, is that for me, it was all just about wanting to feel good. You're like, how come I can't notice, you know, when I started practicing Kundalini Yoga, I didn't do it because I wanted to be a teacher. In fact, I had lots of reasons why I didn't want to be a teacher. And I ran from being a teacher and unconsciously, I didn't realize it, but I was playing out a really deep pattern that comes from our community, which is where there were business people and kind of the elite hierarchy of our community. And then there were kind of yoga teachers and kind of the peasants or the, you know, the servants that built the companies and in different lower capacities. And unconsciously as a child, I absorbed, wow, I don't want to be a yoga teacher because I can't make any money doing that. And if I do want to make any money, I need to learn business Mm -hmm. because the business people made money. And again, I didn't have those thoughts when I went into business for myself, but I realized now I was unconsciously playing out uh, stories that had, you know, had been implanted in me and without awareness. Yeah.
0: You know, what's so interesting for me as you're talking about this and I'm thinking about is that when, when we watch a documentary about a cult or we, you know, listen to somebody's story about their abuse or trauma or whatever, we're coming at it from the perspective, like where they've already realized that that's what they've experienced. You know, like we're watching the documentary, obviously the person who's recording it is realizing that this was an abusive environment. But when you're growing up in it, I mean, there, there, there's like, that's normal, you know, that whatever you're brought up in is normal.
1: It's not only normal, but our nervous system actually gets regulated to that early childhood abuse. And so that's what I'm realizing has been so, so traumatic in my own body. Like, yes, I've done a lot of work since 2012. Really what happened was in 2012, a business that I had built for about a decade came crashing down and I immediately recognized a pattern and I felt it like a soul, what I call a soul pattern. And, it was this weird familiarity, like this is familiar. You know, I was ostracized, and I was being kicked out of my own business, and I was, you know, f- people that I thought that I was really loyal, that were I, were loyal, and my family were were now turned against me and wouldn't talk to me. There was just all these things, and you know, instead of taking those things, it's like, oh my God, all this is happening to me. You know, I was overly in my positive mind because it's kind of, that's been my default mechanism of handling long-term systemic trauma, I, I didn't realize it was my positivity that was saving my day, right? Among lots of other new techniques that I've I learned for survival, right? Um, but when I woke up to that, I was like, wow, this is familiar. And I'm repeating something here. And instead of, you know, moving on to build another business, I realized, wow, I'm being asked to go inward and figure out what, what this is really about. And I had gotten a vision of what I was supposed to do next, but it was very clear, you know, in the vision, like you're nowhere near the person you have to become to deliver that or bring that to the world. And the work you need to do is internally. And, and so I knew I had a lot to grieve. I had built this business for a decade. So I had grief. My self-esteem was tied up in that business. My sense of identity when it came to being a successful woman, leader, entrepreneur was all tied up in that business. You know, and because of my yogic background, I knew that wasn't my real identity, but I couldn't shake the familiarity of it. I was like, gosh, there's just something interesting here. And it did remind me of growing up where, you know, I wasn't not privy to the fact that there were cultish behaviors in our community. My mom left very early and she was ostracized and because she chose a different sort of sexual orientation, she's bisexual and You know, she was ostracized for that and made out to be the crazy bitch because she felt her feelings and had anger about, you know, no, you can't send my children to India, stuff like this. And she spoke up. She had a voice. She had a sense of agency because she left in 1979. But that's confusing as a child growing up in the Dharma, you know, because here is your whole stable way of life, and then here's this. And so you just – you learn to play the act of loving both, and. By 15, there was enough hypocrisy happening around me. You know, people sleeping around, affairs happening. You know, there was the kind of elite energy. All that was there. There was kind of, you know, bad business practices. Like these things kind of were whispered through the community. You know, it wasn't a secret. If I'm 15 and knowing these things, you know, they exist. And I kind of assumed that people knew things And I just decided kind of like, I'm going to move on. I'm going to kind of shed the dogma, the religious side of the way I was raised and kind of more keep the health conscious aspects and the meditation and the yoga that always kind of more resonated. And so, you know, that was my approach to life. It wasn't up until 2012 where my, that business really between 2008 and 12, when my business started having crazy things, I got into Kundalini yoga as a way to reconnect back to my center. And I find this to be the most interesting aspect to what I see happening in the world in terms of like, we tend to want to grab onto the teachings to say, oh, but there was this moment in my life where it changed everything. I was so depressed or I was so lost. And that was that moment for me. That was about 2008. I decided to take teacher training with Krishnakar because she was the closest embodiment to my father who was coming to me in my meditations in the midst of this chaotic moment in my business that was falling apart. And, you know, the thought that I go back to my origin source, right? To get on track. Now that didn't seem too far out because I thought that this was an amazing science and technology that helps you become more aware in the dark. Right? Like, so That made sense. But when I started going through it, you know, there was things I noticed and things I noticed in me and things I didn't want to do and wondering, wow, why, why are they promoting, you know, covering your head or reading Japji or Sikh scripture? Or I just didn't understand why, what felt like to be like a marketing funnel into Sikhism. I knew that growing up, but why is that being taught in yoga teacher training? I thought to myself,
0: because but, you, you know, I know hadn't been in the scene for
1: decades. No, I mean, yeah. I just had no idea how teacher training evolved over the years because I wasn't involved. I had no interest in being involved. You know, I think a lot of us growing up, you know, the, a lot of the kids that came back from school in India, you know, by the time, you know, we come of age, we start looking at the world and asking better questions and we kind of drift off. But we love our family. We love our community. We love, we're trying to find The silver lining in obvious things that haven't weren't good. And nobody talked about the not good things. It just kind of like was kind of pushed into the humor category. But you know, it kind of was there. So again, I was quite surprised when I kind of learned about the teacher training stuff. But and Christians like teach, and I'm like, I have zero interest in teaching. Like, you know, and I really I had to start examining. I was wearing black coming to student, you know, teacher training, and she was like, what are you a ninja? You know, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm developing my inner ninja, you know, so, you know, beca- she would challenge me, but because of the depth of our relationship, this is where I was able to grow with that, you know, again, it wasn't until my business came fully crashing down, that I started teaching kundalini yoga, mainly as a way to feel like I had a sense of purpose and a, a way to kind of manage my own emotional stability and feel like I'm showing up in the world because I was really in a grieving stage, you know, of my own business of my old business. And I was hyper aware that my next business, I didn't want my next business to be a yoga brand. Mm-hmm. I knew it had something to do with taking my growing up years of spirituality and consciousness and like merging it with my business years and marketing and sales. But the becoming of what that looked like and felt like I didn't want it to be a yoga brand. And so, you know, as I started teaching Kundalini Yoga, I, I did it with inquiry. I did it with curiosity. And I realized, wow, I don't, this is so natural for me. And that's what happened. And I started kind of looking at the things I didn't like. And I didn't do those things. I couldn't teach from the podium and not talk about Yogi Bhajan in, and in infidelity or my father and in infidelity or the rampant inf. You know, I would say, Regularly, don't think that this lifestyle is a pure lifestyle where everything is the rose, you know, petal path, because you're mistaken, and then that's a piece in you that you have to begin to cultivate to say why are you seeking something externally, you know, Right. So I would teach this way, and I would start picking apart the teachings in my own self, and of course I didn't like the everything, you know, uh, yogi bhajan on the pedestal stuff, but I never, ever, ever comprehended, you know, in my life I, I had reconciled infidelity, corruption, hypocrisy. I mean every religion around the world has these things. You know, lifestyle's community, this is what happens. And I love my community more. And so then than not. And I really wanted to reconcile the teachings inside of me mm-hmm. in a way that said, wow, I can fully show up and teach this and not feel like I'm doing a double standard in myself because that was one of the biggest things showing up for why I didn't want to teach, which was I don't want to have a public and private life. Hmm. I don't want to project one part and then realize this whole other inner world is happening because that was very real in my childhood growing up experience. So I resisted teaching for that reason, and I worked very hard at constant transparency in these areas I was struggling with, like wearing white or whatever it was, right? And the things I didn't want to do, if I didn't want to, if it didn't feel in, like I wanted to wear a turban, I didn't wear a turban because, you know, you can practice really great science and, and techniques without wearing a a turban of another cult, right so i I knew these things in my own self but i didn't feel strong enough to tell other people not to follow kundalini yoga as they learn it i just am trying to plant in them ask better questions when you're in these environments Mm -hmm. because you can get swept up very easily and i would say stuff like this when i taught at the european yoga festival these are things i would talk about and my body of work when I started teaching kundalini yoga was about the lower chakras. It was about feeling the dark energies the, the, the places we've been violated and manipulated and hurt and, and don't feel safe and like really dealing with the, that area. And I know now is because unconsciously I was trying to actually work on that in myself. Like I realized at one point I couldn't feel my own emotions, I knew I had anger, but I couldn't feel the anger. And I started inquiring my, myself, or you know, becoming, you know, inquiry about it in myself. And the message I got was you have to stop practicing Kundalini yoga. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and I didn't get it in relation to like, in order to feel yourself, it was more like, you're over cultivated in this practice, your will is overdeveloped, You can't feel your own belly because it's too strong. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I noticed it in small little chunks, like what's going on in my body? How come I can't feel this? What's you know? And yes, Kundalini Yoga would make me feel good, but it wouldn't necessarily help
0: me access more of myself. Mm -hmm. So what to you And so I noticed that is what's the difference between like how you would feel an emotion now and how how you used to i'm i'm a very feeling person so it's very difficult for me to to comprehend like when you say i couldn't feel my anger what what is that was that feel so like?
1: anger so yeah so um it feels like really tight muscles really contracted digestive tract um it feels like like Um, fire moving through my body, heat in my body, but having no emotional association with anything. So my body could have a physiological response to something and I couldn't associate it to any emotional anything. And again, I didn't link this to kundalini yoga yet. I just realized, wow, I need to do something else that helps me feel. And so I realized it needed to be something more fluid, not so rigid and tight and precise. So I started getting the feeling like, wow, I like this practice because it's precise and it's helping me work my nervous system and then am working my spine and all these things. But I don't like that I can't feel some pulse in me of what's really going on. So, you know, this is 2015-ish. I start doing some work in New York called the School of Womanly Arts. And this is more like feminine, fluid, owning your pelvic, you know, owning your, you know, your pussy and feeling the, the pulse of your own desire and desire became the language of this work. Like what is your, you know, becoming a researcher of desire and my own pleasure. And as I did that, because I had done so much teaching on the chakra system, I knew that my desire lived in my sex organs, but so did shame. Mm. So as I started going for my desire, all I found was shame, and then more shame, and then more shame. And um, I started from that work of the womanly arts, I started practicing a practice called orgasmic meditation, which also deals a lot with real, um, it deals with the clitoris. It's not like a tantric practice where you're exchanging energy, but it's a set container meditation practice that's using the body part of the feminine as a way to plug in and um, uh, essentially rewire the brain and the body the limbic brain which is where we store our emotional stuff right and our unprocessed so it floods the limbic brain and brings it in the frontal lobe started practicing this and not nearly as much as I wanted because in Chicago we didn't have um, people there so I started you know just training my own people to practice and while I was practicing this practice, again, it's a non-sexual practice using a sexual container. And that's a really important distinction because what I discovered, because it was a non-sexual practice, I could, it was rewire. it was affecting my nervous system in a very similar way to the way Kundalini Yoga did, except it was passive receiving for me. It was about just noticing sensation not doing anything. Um, so that was one practice that really helped. Another one was transformational breathing. Again, not doing anything, laying on my back. There's lots of names for that, but it's like holotropic breathing, all sorts of yeah, different I, breath practices. Yeah, I do
0: that. Um, you, you know, uh, Dedham Preet, who's now Diane, um, she, she mm-hmm. leads people. Yeah, she's started, yeah.
1: yeah so she started uh, doing that training when I was in Phoenix. Um, and so we had talked about that. That also got me into like heavy awareness. Whoa, there's all this energy stuck in my belly and I couldn't feel And I, literally all the practitioners were like, I'm not getting into my heart. It's all staying down in the lower belly. And it was all just like, there was so much bubbling up for me, but I didn't have any memory of abuse that happened to me. It was just kind of collective energy that I thought I was moving. Like this is my soul healing in whatever way. And um, now I know that I've really been suffering from PTSD most of my life, and that as a culture of our body of culture within our community, we got taught to deny our emotional body, number one. So everyone in around us, every adult, nobody's feeling their emotional body our whole life. And, and this is the clincher and what I was talking about a while it's ago. It's not even
0: a, a body. It's not even one of the 10 bodies, mean, as, you're, as you're saying that. The emotional, exactly, <laughs> right? It's out of the 10 bodies, it's yeah. not even one of exactly.
1: And that was also troubling. I was like, my mom made me aware of how disconnected our the emotions were from our, our community from a long time. But I didn't know how disconnected I was from my emotional body. Mm. I knew on some level but i didn't understand the level of training we had had for that i felt like i you know that if something made me angry i would feel my anger like i truly believed that about myself i believed that if there was something to be angry about i would have been feeling it what i now know to be true is that we were trained out of feeling and our nervous system was so regulated to not feeling that our and again i can't speak for all the kids but i learned this in my own system and what i'm noticing even in the conversations itself is we're so a we're trained not to feel ourselves but then number 2 is to talk about it like to share out loud was not okay we were we were taught to deny our reality so things that were happening in plain sight we basically Nobody talked about it, right? So what that does is it registers in the nervous system as I have to deny what I'm feeling in order to survive Yeah, and we got so perfected at it. I literally thought that was a state of my own enlightenment
0: I think that is a very common perception within the community that when we talk about the second generation And the way that they are, it's funny because so Munder, my ex-husband, he always saw them and he was like, oh my gosh, they're so evolved. They're the saints walking on earth. And I'm looking at them from my perspective going like, they look really numb. You know, they look like zombies. Um, It was confusing. It was confusing to me because, well, for for a lot of reasons, but it's it's interesting that you said that. (laughs)
1: And I I do, I think that, and and that is why I think one of the most important things that we're dealing with in the world today is we, you know, people want to move on, take Yogi Bhajan out of the teachings and carry on as if the teachings are that are, you know, are only full of light and profound healing. And, you know, Mm -hmm. absolutely not. You know, there's, there are within that body of work, there are predator practices that were used as a way to stupefy and brainwash 50 years worth of people, you know, and have generations and generations of children born into this. Are you talking? And of, I, uh, yeah, go
0: ahead. Oh, I'm curious are you what, when you say that, are you talking about more the humanology practices, or do you think like certain kriyas and meditations were actually designed for that purpose?
1: I don't think, you know, I don't know anything, I know that we have to be willing to look at the very teachings that were being practiced to keep people from not noticing what was happening around them for the last 50 years. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes down to breaking the, 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 the teachings down, you know, I don't think he invented any of this stuff. I think it all comes from its slices of truth that come, from real sources of truth and that what makes a really excellent high demand group leader or cult leader is someone that is charismatic that can take real truths fragments of truth and splice it together into a new sense of identity and by doing that we we grow up with a sense of pride we go grow up with a sense of spiritual superiority that we and, and a Part of the High Demand Group 101 checklist is have a mission that is going to change humanity. And as a child of this dharma, I've absolutely held that as an unconscious soul obligation that I am here to change humanity. And while that's beautiful, that is a lot to hold. And it ties right back into PTSD and why... Our community is rampant with depression and anxiety and emotional connectivity disorders and all sorts of things that I didn't even know how to name in myself until I witnessed brothers and sisters tell their stories of saying, I have a hard time with this. or I have a hard time with this. And I'm like, oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, me too. Oh my gosh, me too. And then suddenly I'm realizing, wow, this is systemic. This isn't just my personal story or their personal story.
0: I'm I had a a question about that but no oh about the mission. Um no it was it was a comment. I, I took I actually ended up taking like a little seminar with Matthew Remsky who who was kind of active in the Premka group and he his his body of work yeah. is all about cults and, and uh high demand groups. Um, and one of the things that he said in the seminar that I've never considered is that, yes, you have a mission, but when you look at the actual work of the group, it looks very different from the mission. So for example, he's saying like the, the, you know, people are taught we're saving the world, but on a daily basis, you're making food and massaging Yogi Bhajan's feet, you know, which is not saving the world. Um, so I, I thought that was really interesting. It's like, we we have this very big, yeah, we have this very big mission statement, but when you look at the actual work, it is very different or what people are actually involved in. So Mm -hmm. a lot of things I've never considered, but
1: yeah, um, I mean, I found the readings on high demand groups extremely helpful in seeing myself more clearly. Um it reminded me of a book I read back in like two thousand sixteen called it it would it could never happen to me hmm. and it's a book for um children of of alcoholics or codependent parents okay and you know i I highly recommend all, everyone to read it like it was so eye opening at that time to be like, Whoa, I do that. I do that, I do that. And, and realizing, wow, this isn't just me, you know, this is a result of growing up around, you know, ab- you know, abused or addicted parents, right? Yeah. And so again, I was kind of recla- thinking I'm reclaiming my personal experience in life. I would have never put it to the fact that, wow, my culture is, you know, is a systemic cult. So, you know, I, I really did try to hold it as much in the highest light because I loved, the technology and in fact this is so funny to me and you'll appreciate this because you know i was teaching in in, um, in phoenix one of the things i used to love about promoting kundalini yoga is that it was prescriptive you didn't have to think right you just got to like if you need this do this if you need this and now i realize wow that's a part of the the, the predatory nature of what makes that practice disconnect us from ourself, not actually connect us to ourself, is within it, there's so much very subtle teacher, student, predatory, not trust your own body, because even all, you know, the women, the sex teachings, these things never made sense. They're not housed in real physiological, biological Principles and you know, I'm a child not having sex yet. And I knew that I'm like something's wrong, (laughs) right? But again, who are you to be like, yeah, that whole that you know, so you you just do the best you can to reconcile it within and carry on Um, And this is why my story is a sex reclamation story because I learned wow, I'm not a slut. We got slut shamed for being in female bodies Not for wearing sexy clothes. Yeah, we were told if we wore sexy clothes that we'd become a whore. You know, we were told all sorts of things. And meanwhile, that's, I think, what makes this abuse that much worse. And that's what makes the silent culture happening right now that much worse. Is like, I literally watched the Deniers. I read the whole first part of the AOB. And it was literally like, it literally felt like, the feeling of that narrative was living in my body and my psyche most my life. Mm. And then suddenly I read it and I'm like, I recognize that, that used to be in me. I used to carry that much shame in me thinking that, oh, he could read or all these, you know, that story, that, that perpetuated story was, was and is the normal. And so that's why this process of speaking out, A, it's revolutionary for our community. Never in 50 years have we spoken any of our personal pain, much less collective pain to anybody.
0: Hmm. Wow. You know,
1: and, and then on top of that, we know in trauma that when you speak to it, it can actually bring up more memories and trauma. When you hear somebody else's story, it can bring up more memories and trauma. So if we collectively don't know how to feel what's going on, and then this stuff comes up, guess what we don't want to do? Talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a perpetuated cycle of silence creation, where we actually become responsible for holding the silence because if I speak out, I don't want to hurt my friend, my my neighbor, my, my sister, parents. all of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very convoluted and very complex. And I believe very intentional what we're seeing with the India kids and all that, this stuff didn't come out of nowhere. The attachment theory stuff didn't come out of nowhere. These things were intentionally used and the teachings have this predatory stuff in it. Yeah. So unless we dismantle the work to say, okay, what's actually housed in physiological historical external truths, and what was coagulated together to create a body of work where he could then run our parents and have generations of people that he could basically groom and sexually abuse.
0: Yeah. The prescriptive thing is super interesting because that was also appealing for me when I first got into Kundalini Yoga. I had been doing, you know, like vinyasa and, and stuff like that. And it it always seemed, it was a little bit more like how I am, like more flowy and, um flexible and whatever And kundalini yoga was i think i i must have like wanted some sort of structure and um somebody to tell me what to do like i didn't have that that's thing. right so but what's what i find like the flip side of it is that you yes you 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 have this predatory relationship between the teacher and the student but there's also this shame that comes in because if you have one of these ailments and you're not doing your sadhana or you're not doing it enough or at the right time or whatever or with the right intention whatever you're using to blame the person for their their ailment you're saying you know well here you have this tool at your fingertips that you're just not utilizing it
1: um well it could be that i just didn't do my sadhana well it could be i need x and it just keeps being another could be you know this or that and That in and of itself, like you're saying, it's a it's a thread that's so interwoven in the culture and in the in the I say in the teaching culture because what's happening in our community is one hey visitor (laughs) keep keep going um you know within our community there's lots of complex issues I think one of my bigger concerns is you know to move on and just you know teach Kundalini yoga as if you know I've seen the marketing strategy basically of Now, you know, kundalini yoga to help you with your trauma, you know, kundalini yoga to include people of color, you know, it's like, oh, suddenly you just jump on the bandwagon of these things. And that's frustrating because there are real abuse stories of our children that were raised like me. I wasn't sexually abused in our community from Yogi Bhajan. I wasn't sent to India and abused in these capacities. When I talk about holding abuse, it's not mine personally. And I think that's what I want to stress mostly is that as a collective things happened around us and obviously to us for so many. But I believe that so many have no idea the things that took place because we don't know how to talk about it. We're so trained to hold, hold it together to keep up, to be strong and, it's, it's not, even if we want to feel ourselves, it's a tough one. And you know, that's a really hard place to be.
0: For sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, sorry. I have a, I have a puppet friend who has joined me. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: um, the feeling it's interesting that your, your, uh, path to ask better questions, as you said, um, originated from this not not feeling or recognizing that you know that you weren't you weren't trained or taught to to feel your feelings. Um, for me, it was it was similar too. I I grew up, but it but but op- But like the opposite, basically the other extreme. Like I grew up very in a very volatile environment. Lots of emotions and words and slamming doors and you know things. And I mean, not it wasn't danger. It wasn't a dangerous scenario, but it was high high emotions running. And I felt like the Kundalini yoga allowed me to, you know, get a little bit calmer, less reactive, you know, but I was noticing after I had kids, especially, well, yeah, especially my second one, I think it was like, I was like, I don't have a tool. Like, I felt like it was, it was a contradiction for me because I felt like I had all the tools. I felt like, you know, you, you're, you're taught, this is it. This is all you'll ever need. Right. Um, and yet I was like, I can't deal. I, I can't deal with my own emotions. Like I, what's going on? Like there's this missing piece here that has to do with emotions. So I actually started teaching workshops on emotions and I started to like look for quotes that Yogi Bhajan had, you know, things that he had said about emotions and, um, incorporated some stuff that I was hearing from Abraham. Um, but yeah, that's a definitely a missing piece, but I feel like it's a missing piece for most humans too, in a, you know, in in their, in their unique way. Um, No doubt. I mean, that's what I think
1: is so interesting about all of the abuse that's showing up in our community is it's no different than the church is the Catholic church, the Boy Scouts of America. It's no different than, you know, any age, you know, of, of what's happened historically before it's happening in the world. And, you know, cults are political systems, cults are companies, You know, my business was a cult, you know, no wonder it was so familiar. I didn't name it that, but it was, it was one and and it was very evident of one. So, you know, these issues, these things exist everywhere. I I think the danger that is faced within spiritual predation is that there's a psychosomatic impact that when spiritual when when your spiritual and psychological faculties are used in very manipulative ways to enhance a, a body of work that's promoting itself as pure you know because you then are seeing yourself in contradiction regularly i feel this way about myself i can't tell anybody about it i'm supposed to be very bright and so you know what do we do we, we create Unconscious trauma response patterns to show up the way we were supposed to show up. So, you know, if you're in an environment where emotions are everywhere, then you might become a placator, right? You start placating to the environment to make sure that maybe really wild emotions set you off. So, you want to make sure to keep everything settled. We create trauma response patterns based on our earliest child environment, childhood environment. This goes for every human being with a nervous system. So, you know, this is the number one thing. I'm so grateful for the way I was raised because I grew up with a consciousness and an awareness that I have a nervous system and a glandular system. And most people in the world don't learn that. And I think that is by far one of the most profound things to me because it's helped me in my own trauma healing process. And I believe every single one of us has to take that level of responsibility to realize our nervous system and our trauma response, our response to interpersonal explosions are going to be based on our earliest environment that we got regulated to. Right. And so we learn to deny our emotional body. So we don't know how to even deal with that. And it's so interesting because I can't say I was like, Oh yeah, I'm a, emo- I wouldn't have called myself emotionally repressed. Like I said, it, it's more refined than that yeah. it's it goes it's so default that we you know that what you're talking about that numbing it literally is a state of ptsd numbing that we we thought we were in compassionate heart consciousness in at least i did until i was like oh actually i have ptsd
0: <laughs> i I I didn't know. That, what is that awakening like?
1: Well, I mean, for mostly, mostly I'd come through so much of it, you know, mostly I'd already, I was already stabilized by the time, you know, this past June and July when the stories were really coming forth or May, I had eyes to see this stuff. And I had cleared so much shame out of my body. I had, reclaimed a sense of my own sexuality as mine instead of housed up in the abusive nature of where it had come from. You know, I'd, I had a sense of my own body as belonging to me so I could feel what was going on. So then I read a read a letter or heard one another testimony and I'm bawling and then I'd feel the anger and, and I learned tools to process and deal with rage, move my body, tone, you know, create sounding, and, and this is why I know the teachings have truth in them because the nervous system, the soul nerve, the vagus nerve, these are all things that each and every one of us can learn to connect with, relate to, and learn about. We can learn our unconscious physiological trauma responses. Every one of us, no matter our childhood upbringing, no matter what we've been through, no matter if it happened to somebody around us versus to us. We all hold both personal and collective trauma. Mm -hmm. And it shows up differently in different people. You know, people can have psychological issues, and it can show up as physical ailments. You know, we can have physical abuse, and it can show up as psychological abuse, you know, the mind body connection, we know this. So I, I think that's valuable. But to just say like, let's take these teachings. I think that the teachings themselves were used as abuse to so many. And I know that there's a bandwagon of yoga students that just want to be like, yeah, but it changed my life. And I'm going to keep that and bless your heart, do whatever you want. But my, I guess the thing I would put out to you is be willing to have a conversation. I think anybody teaching Kundalini yoga should be willing to have a healthy, honest, and grounded conversation about predatory behavior. Yeah. And if that can't be had, you'll feel it. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell if a teacher will not talk about predatory behavior. So I think we need to equip people to ask better questions. We need to equip each other to say, I have a nervous system. My trauma lives in my nervous system and in my vagus nerve. I can learn how to connect with it and doing breath practices and doing postures and doing certain things. These are a part of it. Sound as you know, right? Sound helps the, we have to learn the ways to unwind our own trauma so we can each beginning, begin to feel what we were taught not to feel because that's the place where we get to go in and heal.
0: Yeah. The, the question of whether or not to take Yogi Bhajan out of the the teachings, I know it's going. I don't know if it's still going on, but it must still be. But it, it was such an interesting question to me because I felt like in I felt like I always wanted Three Ho to be more transparent. Kara, I, I wanted them to because I'd heard I'd heard rumors of certain things. I guess you know it's like coming back to me, um, and and I was like, why don't they just talk about it why don't they just say like yes yogi bhajan has been accused of this but you know we still feel that you know whatever whatever the, their stance is and it could doesn't have to be like a company policy it could just be like an individual thing willing to ha- you're willing to have a conversation like you're saying but i was i was feeling like the teacher training what a great opportunity to actually teach people about cults about you know spiritual manipulation about you know like what what a great abuse what? Yeah, abuse what a what a wonderful uh forum that could be had here like if you take him out that's like taking that's like keeping him that's like what what they used to do is they kept him they took out his past and now it's like we're going to take out his past and we're going to take out him and we're going to keep this you know at, <laughs> at some point you know at some point it's like um yeah anyway.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I find it to be quite a shame. Oh, you're frozen. Oh, am I here? Am I back? Um, I agree. You know, I, I find it to be quite a shame. You're back.
0: <laughs> that was delayed.
1: Can you see me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I can see you. Yeah, I find that to be, um, you know, quite a shame. You know, I, I, I know that it's a money-making machine, and people just want to carry on and keep, you know, focused on that, and I find that to be a real disappointment. I would rather see healthy conversations being had, right, and there are really good teachers that are choosing to have, you know, better uh, approaches, I think, within their own approach, but um, as a collective body like KRI, I'm, I'm seeing it as just kind of a a long-term pattern of the whitewashing of kind of brushing it over, like you're saying, just remove them from this and let's carry on and let's ride the bandwagon of uh, Black Lives Matter and make sure to add some more people of color into our images. And, you know, there was even a recent, um, you know, after the AOB, AOB report is delivered, um, you, know, we, you know, we find out that they end up doing, a, paying a PR company to flood the internet with thousands of positive articles about Kundalini Yoga so that they can stay ahead of the stats of searches, so they literally had a powerpoint where they're listing the 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 you know yoga mag like what magazines have published negative articles and then what lawsuits are kind of brewing and then they pay a pr firm to flood the internet with like three times, like 8,000 articles or something about Kundalini Yoga. So if you search trauma or Black Lives Matter or any of these kind of like high trending items, guess what's going to come up to the surface? Kundalini Yoga. You know, that kind of stuff makes me so angry. After all this, and we still haven't heard anything about anything for support of the victims. They haven't paid for our counseling. Yeah. They offered up their employee benefit for counseling. We're not your employees. We're your freaking children of the Dharma, you know, it just, anyway. So it's like, I feel like on one end, there are really good, caring, good people in some of these positions, which has been the case for decades. And yet there's also a machine at work. And that machine isn't going anywhere, and that's really disheartening. We hope that there would be more transparency, and I want more of that. I want better conversations, you know. But even my my conversations with Krishnakar and her letter to the public, very disappointing. It was very representative to me of the silent culture of adults. You can't even say Yogi Bhajan was a predator. You can't say I believe the survivors. You can say it in nice, subtle, interesting use of words, but come on, stand up. Say say I stand for yeah. the, for anyone who's been abused of sexual trauma within our community by Yogi Budget. Like the silencing I think is so detrimental to our psyche and 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 we don't understand just how much it's tied into why we can't feel ourselves beyond what we were taught to feel you know like we go right for compassion we go right for forgiveness we go right for resolution we go right for wanting to figure out how to move forward when really we're in a stage that says god we haven't heard anybody for a long long time how about we listen you know how about we keep encouraging people to come forth and it's because there's obvious denial still in place and that's not a safe conducive environment for any one of us that have grown up with this dharma to speak our truth yeah it's, it's the much less been sexually abused by yogi bhajan directly and stand up and speak your truth like that's it's not a we're not a safe community to do that and we can't promote ourselves as the yoga of awareness and the compassionate you know transitioning to the aquarian age if we can't hold people who've been abused from our own community we can't even acknowledge that publicly as a collective dharma we can't hold our own you know there's something seriously wrong and if yoga students aren't reading these reports and, and ask you know it's because they wanna just ride their great catalyst moment of where this technology helped them so much. And while I appreciate that, your nervous system holds memory, and I guarantee you that's a trauma response in and of itself.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh. Well, yeah. Um, it's You brought up the European Yoga Festival. Um, what I find interesting about that community as opposed to the American community is that there's a lot less of the lifestyle taken on in, in the United States. Um, maybe because we're, we're a younger culture, the, the Europeans feel, I think they feel like they have a sense of belonging in their culture already. Maybe they don't search for, for that in like spiritual communities as much, although there are those who do. But I, I, wonder, I wonder about that because they don't seem as, as interested also in, in his life. Um, I was teaching a a class for a community, an online community in in Russia after all this was happening. I was like, I really don't want to teach yoga. I'll chant with you, you know. Um, But I was telling him, I was like, you know, I'm I'm having mixed feelings about this. I ended up just saying, I I can't do this anymore. (laughs) Having mixed feelings about this. It was like, well, this was all coming up at the beginning Um, Mm. uh, because of, you know, the information that's been coming out about Yogi Bhajan. He's like, oh, you know, nobody here really, um, we all trained under somebody in in europe and we don't really we don't even really talk about yogi vajan um there's a very different relationship i feel like there
1: yeah i mean again you know i bring up how do we practice a body of work from somebody who's a known sadist predator predator you know without examining how did how did five generations not notice what was in plain sight and what if the answer to that exists within the body of work called kundalini yoga as taught by yogi bhajan and i think it only you know the answer
0: when i was that did we not notice is that what you're saying yeah how did we
1: not notice yeah that meaning that you know what if the the practice is actually disconnecting not connecting us to our actual center and it's giving us an illusionary experience of being really connected but it's actually disconnecting us from our emotional body it's disconnecting us from our grounding cord it's disconnecting us from our own sense of knowing and our own sense of self and it's easy to ride it's doing a lot though because it's elevating our energy it's elevating our spirit and so, if we live in a state of constant elevation, we're not we're not fully embodied into our body. And so, to answer going back, I think that historically, the Euro, you know Europeans of all the different countries took on the the, the 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 practice in their own. They definitely weren't more like creating the yogi budget demagogue nearly as much. But it still existed, you know, plenty of predatory behavior has happened throughout all of the ashrams in 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 Europe. The teachers now, all through Satana Messiah, as well as teachers while I was over in the yoga festival, were already demonstrating all sorts of predatory behavior. And these things are silenced in Europe as equally as they're silenced in America. So while I want to buy that excuse from the European community, I appreciate that you didn't follow Yogi Bhajan the way that Americans did. It's infused into the consciousness of the teachings themselves to create a power dynamic that allows the elevated teacher and the lowly student energy dynamic that actually is is so interwoven because there's nothing that helps us get back to our emotional body or our sex energy and grounding it down in our body, not up and out of our body. This is this is common kundalini yoga stuff. There's still the marketing funnel in Europe that goes, you know, from kundalini yoga into see dharma. There's still the public shaming if you're dressed provocatively at the yoga festival these things are infused and if we're not willing to see that then i don't think we're actually looking at ourselves or our own historical trauma patterns of our own family not of our not of community i think that it's that's a symptom of denying internal historical trauma And we we project it into into a new practice. We can take this, oh, this community is different. Oh, this practice is different. Oh, this has done this for me. And I do believe that the practice can help. I feel like each one of us has to determine what works for us and what no longer works for us. But we have to be willing to examine ourselves with better questions and a new lens around the nature of and the sadistic nature of predatory abuse and how shame and silence has been used to keep those teachings perpetuating going forward without anybody bringing it up. And in the name of purity, like these things, it's, a, it's in plain sight and we don't want to see it. And that's, I think representative of the world and, and America presidency and all that stuff. It's like, we see things in plain sight that has been living in America for the last four or 500 years. It's not new and you can pretend it doesn't affect you, but it does.
0: All right. I, I have to go because my tiny one is, is, uh, demanding a little attention. Thank you so, so much for, (laughs) For doing this Especially. and for taking some time out of your Jamaican, Jamaican is it, it's not sunset yet, but looks really beautiful. Um, yes, is it? Oh, it is sunset. Look, is it? Oh wow, nice. What's yeah, the what time is sunset, it there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's Chicago time, so five thirty. Oh, okay, okay. So yes, yeah, so it's later than here. Cool. Yeah. Again, thank you so much. If people want to keep in touch with you, how should they do that? Um, well, I have
1: an online brand at uh, com, So you can opt in. And I actually, you know, I teach, a, I, I've distilled a lot of the, the science that I feel like I got from the way that I was raised. And, you know, and I teach what I know to be true. I teach about the nervous system. I teach about science. And I teach people how to really connect within themselves to feel um, what's happening. What is your unique trauma response based on your unique conditioning framework? And how do you begin to commit your life to unwinding that? Um, And hopefully in the most pleasurable way possible. That's what I've discovered is this stuff is hard work. So you might as well have a lot more joy and a lot more pleasure while discovering some real atrocities that are living inside of us that we can't even notice exist because um, it's too hard. The nervous system's too sophisticated. If the world's too hard of a place, it's going to shut it down, right? So I find that to be brilliant because out of preservation we can support ourselves. And so, yeah, you know, if you want more information on really how to, to really learn this kind of stuff, Grunichon on all the IG platforms or whatever and Grunishan.com.
0: Well, all right. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast inspired artists. Please remember to subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. It helps other people find it. Thanks.